It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. Cross fans, welcome back to Lax Class, episode 122, 122, coming your way right here via Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network with myself, Jake Elliott, and with my co-host, Brad Challoner. Bradley, uh, we're recording on a Sunday afternoon. You just got back from the park, got caught in a little hailstorm with the kiddos, but uh, good to be with you on a Sunday for another jam-packed episode here man we're going to overtime once again uh here on 122 we went almost two hours last week the people seem to like it i think we're going to run long again here today so settle in and big program lined up uh first off how how are things how was the park what's going on i'm well man we got caught in a hailstorm it was a weird one out there i went for a nice walk on the beach and the beach park in Tawasson is the best park in in south delta so i take the kids there all the time um, but yeah, we got we got caught in a hailstorm, torrential, torrential downpour, like picking up the kids and did you have cover? across did, the did sand. You have no cover. We just ran, ran, ran back to the car and then sat on the car and waited out until we drove home. But yeah, like running and getting pelted in the face with the hail. It was very, it was very West Coast moment. Yeah, uh, nice to get out there. And uh, you know, I'm happy to. We have things to talk about. Like that's why we went so long last week but we didn't have news for so long in the lacrosse world then boom all of a sudden albany happens and now boom this week brampton uh is in trouble again and then we need to talk about that and and dan Teague gets a new job so it's perfect timing to bring him into the program then we'll talk about that in a second but their their storylines right now albany may have may have a new name in the next couple days or the next couple weeks and we have some front runners so you know i I know we're you and i go back and forth all the time like how long can we do this? How long can we can we talk about the National Lacrosse League when there hasn't been a game in a year now? So I know the Warriors tweeted on Saturday. It was a year to the day. I, I was there, Brad. Seventeen seven back in Saskatoon. There, it wasn't a great game for the Warriors, but that was I was there for the last time the National Lacrosse League played a game. I believe. I think that was the last game. And we were, and no one knew that at the time oh. because we were getting ready to host a Warriors game at home back at Rogers Arena and even like the Monday I think a tweet went out they hired Caleb Toth as a coach yeah and then all the um San Diego was supposed to be in town and all the protocols went out the war basically Rogers Arena saying hey come to the game tonight there's hand sanitizers at uh, hand sanitizer location at every gate um extra precautions and you know, the next we we didn't know what to expect, and all of a sudden the whole world shut down a couple of days oh, later. Man. Here we are now, a year later. A year later. That's nuts. Still uh, talking lacrosse. Still talking lacrosse. And listen, man. Um, not to get off track, but it, you know, it looks like the the Western Hockey League is going to get up off the ground. There's hope that the BC Hockey League is, is going to go. We've seen a WA schedule come out for the end. Of June, we've seen Dr. Bonnie Henry say that everybody should have the opportunity to be vaccinated by the fall and we could be close to a return to normal life by summertime here. Um, some more news coming out of Ontario. We'll touch on it in quick sticks. So, like, I 
there's been ups and downs and like positives and depression and excitement. I'm starting to feel like there's some light at the end of the tunnel here, though, Brad. We have something to look forward to. I'm feeling like hopeful that we're going to have some semblance of a WLA lacrosse season in a few months' time from now. Like, I'm holding on to that hope dearly. Well, there was a, there was a scientific study I heard about recently that was like, book your vacation because just having something on the horizon, even if you, even if it can't happen in six months, but mm. they're like, book that trip to Mexico, book that trip to the cabin, book a book an RV, book a road trip. And just, just to have that seed in your mind, knowing yeah. that that's booked gives you something to look forward to and makes you It's like buying happier. concert Actually, tickets gives, or something, right? Yeah. Like, it gives you like a dopamine rush knowing that, okay, there's something good happening. And that's, I think what the WLA schedule did, like, here's a tangible date. Here's what our plan is. And people can start getting their hopes up a little bit. That's what the NLL, when they, when they first announced they were going to go in April, that's kind of what we thought then. And it might've been a long shot, but I think it provided some people a glimpse of hope and major series hasn't put out a date yet. No, they have, they, they have Brad. Well, they said July 5th. They, oh, sorry. No that's schedule the, yet. I think the it's drop July dead 5th. Date. Right. They want to do a home. 5th. You're ruining quick sticks though. So let's not, let's not even discuss that right now because we're going to talk about that coming up. In I'm quarter validating four. you saying that there is, there is things on the horizon. <laughs> there there is. is things on the calendar that we can look forward to and feel good about these days. I agree. And, uh, over the weekend, uh, Danny's girl started Bantam box lacrosse, uh, this weekend, Brad out at the box, a little skills and drills session outdoors, just her team, no contact, but, my goodness, was it good to see the girls out in the box chucking it around, man? Like it again, it gives me gives me hope. Uh, I will say though, I, I went to a pub last night to watch the UFC fights. Kind of got just me and Danny went out, just the two of us, and I was still kind of a little, I don't know, man. Like I didn't feel right about kind of being out in that kind of a setting. Everybody was socially distanced, and you know all these protocols were in place and stuff. But I still, I felt like. Uh, this doesn't. I don't feel right. I didn't. I just didn't feel right doing it. You know. I don't even. All. All I want. I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I didn't feel right. All I. All I want is my backyard to be open for business and for like six people. If I have six people in my backyard, that is like that is the dream that I'm that I'm holding on to and looking forward to happening in the next. All right. In the next little bit. Hopefully Maybe you and Danny can. That I was gonna in. say. I hope uh, we're on. We we're can on. we can tilt the TV out the window and and watch the next one here in Hope, a couple months. Hopefully we're on the list. All right. So. Lots to talk about here on EP122. As I mentioned, uh, something else coming up in overtime. Quick sticks in quarter four. Two guests once again here on 122. Uh, third quarter, new offensive coach, Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Famer, former NLL great, and Brampton Excelsior legend, Daniel Teat, will join us in quarter number three. And in quarter two, calls to the hall, presented by Stampy Tuck and Western Wear. Uh, we're going to go to Buffalo, New York, and talk with one of our faves, Brad, and Jonathan Gertler. I don't know why I'm using full names today, but I am. Jonathan Gertler coming up as he is going to talk about the late, great Thomas Borelli, Brad. Uh, Tom Borelli, uh, it's it's a travesty that, that neither you or John Gertler have one of these things yet. I, I'm making it my mission in life to get you both one. 
But Tom Borelli, NLL Hall of Famer, and John Gertler had a chance to, to spend a little time with Tom early in his career. So we're getting Gertzy on to, to talk about Borelli and probably get a little Bandits talk in there as well. As we plow through the list of Hall of Famers, when we started this, what, in September, our goal was to talk to every single... Well, at the time, it was every single living Hall of Famer. And now we're getting people to represent the deceased Hall of Famers as well. Um, and we're and we're tearing through the list. We've been talking about it, like there's only there's only a couple more. We got there's... Terry Sanderson, the Gates and Neil Stevens. I think that's it. Right. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So. Uh... Run. Yeah, it has been, man. It has been. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the conversation with both of these guys. Lots to talk about with both of them. And, of course, here in quarter number one, Brad, uh, we got a couple things coming up here in quarter number one. The first one is called The Big Focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. The big focus, you heard it right there, and Brad, uh, we had a few options for the big focus this week, but since uh, we have Dan T coming on the program, and news kind of coming out uh, late last week that it's now officially official, the Brampton Excelsiors, 150 years of Canadian lacrosse history, yanked out of the city and they're off to Owen Sound as they got approval for the Board of Governors from the Major Series Lacrosse and the Ontario Lacrosse Association. A lot of people in Brampton up in arms about this. I'm still scratching my head as well, but the Excelsior, Senior A Excelsiors anyways, no more in Brampton. It's our big focus. It's And it's a heartbreaking focus. Like As a West Coaster, it would be akin to the New Westminster Salmon Bellies moving to yeah. Abbotsford or the Coquitlam Adnax moving to Squamish or, or something, you know, it, it would be that it would, it would sound that strange. And I, I can't wait to talk to Dan Teed about, about all of this because it's muddy and it's tough to find the facts. I know there's some allegations of nefarious dealings that the, and that the deal that sent um, Brampton to Owen sound is not, there's a lot of gray area around it. A lot of people aren't getting the right story. There's a lot of conflicting stories and rumors as to how that transaction went down, how the money was, was passed around. But at the end of the day, Brampton is going to be left without a major series lacrosse team for the time being. And Owen sound is getting one. We don't know if they're taking the name Excelsiors with them. I don't think they are. I don't know if they're allowed to. Yeah. Which is one, which is one benefit that that will stay in Brampton. But we also know that the MSL has not wanted to expand in forever. Mm -hmm. So if Brampton does keep the branding and wants to launch their own team at some point, how will they be able to do that? The other big thing that I question here is because this has been so shady, how many players and staff are going to want to go to Owen Sound? Yeah, I tell you, like, I don't, I don't we'll think ask any Dan this, but I don't think, De I don't think Dan Teet's going. I don't think Jeff Teet's going. I don't think anybody with roots to no, Hayes and McClellan, like all going. their young stars, like I, I mean, there may be a handful of guys that go, but like I, I think guys are just gonna be like, no, like I'm not going. I don't so, yeah, sit out a year or two and become a free agent at the end of the at the end of the day. Yeah, so a lot of like Brad said, a lot of gray area, a lot of backdoor shenanigans, nefariousness. Uh, I like that word that you used there earlier, Brad. Well done. Allegations. It, 
I don't. There's obviously two sides to every story here, and I think part of the problem is is that we're only hearing one. But that tells me when you're only hearing one side of things, is because the other side has something to hide. They don't want to talk about it because something is amiss here. Something does not smell right to me. And I don't know exactly how it all shook down. And we're going to talk to Dan about it all. But, uh, man, this this just does not sit right. It doesn't sit right. And so, you know, the, the Brampton Excelsior's Lacrosse Club Board of Directors approved it. Then it goes to the major series and all the governors of the major series team. I don't know if it was a unanimous thing or what you need to get a team to move, but they approved it. And then the holdout was the OLA. And that was what finally got signed on last week. OLA finally saying, yes, we've approved this as well. And I know the OLA earlier was going to put together an ad hoc group, basically a committee together to ask questions in brand, investigate, investigate the deal. And like, they didn't even talk to Dante, who's the head coach of the freaking team and was just the head yeah. coach of the junior team. Mr. Brampton. Like, seriously. Yeah, been part of Brampton lacrosse for the better part of 45 years. Um, it wasn't even wasn't even contacted to ask you know his his thoughts or what what he knew, which is just which is just fishy right there. So Dante helps launch uh, Ella, which is now the Excelsior's Lacrosse Legacy Association. It's a bunch of uh, Excelsior's alumni who are going to get together, help promote the game in Brampton, and hopefully fight and get some petitions fine and fight to keep the name and a new team in Major Series Lacrosse in that city. Yeah, I hope it. I really hope it. They can figure this out. I really do. We'll talk to Dan about it more in quarter number three. But we're going to talk about Dan a little more right now, Brad, because uh, your pick this week for the Stampede Stallion of the Week. <laughs> I'm still working on my horse sound. Stampede Stallion of the Week. Brad, it's your pick this week. But before I let you make that selection, I got to tell you that Stampede Tack is all about the classics. And there really isn't anything more classic than the Stormrider jean jacket. Stormrider line jean jacket with its corduroy color features. The classic Stormrider styling that has become one of the most popular jean jackets of all time. It's the goat of jean jackets. This jacket, perfect for year-round use. It goes well with another classic, the plaid shirt. I know you got a lot of those, Brad Schoner. Be sure to drop by Stampy Tack in Cloverdale at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th where you'll find outstanding collection of jean jackets, plaid shirts, or you can always shop online at stampede.ca where shopping online is still shopping local brad uh it's dan teed week here on lax class because tell us your selection please we're keeping a theme we're keeping a thread going this week we've never had a guest this isn't ass kissing either this isn't suck up to dan teed day i just thought it was fitting to tie it tie it all in together that our guest today just happens to be our Stampede Stallion of the Week. And again, a Stampede Stallion is someone who we went underappreciated through their career or during their their career that is still ongoing right now. Guys like Steve Keogh, Steph LeBlanc, Dan McRae. Uh, I think those are all guys that I've picked over the last few weeks. You've got Greg, uh, like, a, like a Greg Downing was in there and 
and players like that. But I'm putting Dan Teat on that list. He was a hell of a lacrosse player. 198 games played at the National Lacrosse League, but a guy that was never really an MVP candidate or first team all pro and a guy whose name really hasn't come up during this calls to the hall series when asking people who's not in the hall of fame that might need to be there. Dan Teed, I think should get some love um, based on the longevity, got a championship in his rookie season in Rochester way back in 1997, but played almost 200 games in this league, just shy of 300 goals, uh, 630 points, a couple 30 goal seasons, a 37 goal season, uh, high of 73 points back in 2002. He played till he was 39 years old in the National Lacrosse League, which is pretty remarkable as well. No matter what happened in the late stage of his career, bouncing from Buffalo to Edmonton to Philly, still managed to show up and produce wherever he was too. He was just a heart and soul, stocky 5'11", 180 banger. And he was a fun lacrosse player to watch. And championships definitely fell to him in the summertime. Five-man cups as a as an Excelsior player. Yeah, I was say. And one as an assistant coach in 2011 at the Langley Event Center. Called that but again, one. Yeah. a guy who... Yeah, it was never in the MVP candidate race, but always put up numbers and contributed wherever he was, whether that was Rochester, Albany, San Jose, Buffalo, Edmonton, Philly. He he did the damage and was a great teammate. Yeah, 13 years. And and one of the fiercest competitors. Like that picture you, you tweeted out earlier today, him holding the man cop. He's got the, the big grizzled beard and just you can tell he's been through just a, a heck of a series to, to hoist the man cop. And you can just see the emotion and, and how much great picture uh, you found there. And man, like he's carried that over into his his coaching career as well, and and it's no mistake that he that he's found himself on an NLL bench. Uh, took his junior team with with his son leading the way to the Minto Cup in 2018, of course. But uh, he's he's going to go on. Well, he was scheduled to go on to to coach the senior team. We're going to have to find out what's happening there. But uh, man, like I got all day for Dan Teton. He's been on the program a couple of times, and like. Like we said, Mr. Brampton here, and this guy knows the game of box lacrosse inside and out. Like I don't. Well, I just thought with with the name, with his name being thrown around so much lately in all different circles, the dad of Jeff Teed, who's going to be the next great NLL superstar, um, the new offensive coordinator for Panther for for uh, Panther City for Panther City LC. As I try to wrap my head around that. And all the stuff that's been going on with Brampton, like Dan Teed's name is just everywhere right now. So maybe it's just a time to brush people up on who he was as a player and who he who he is right now as a coach before we as we get him on here. That's why I keep you around, Brad. It's right there. I mean, that's synergy at its finest. Uh, Dan Tate, welcome to the stable. You are this week's Stampede Stallion of the week. Let's get to break, Brad. 122, we'll roll into the second quarter, and we're going to get John Gertler on the program to talk about Tom Borelli. Stick with us, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com/tickets today. 
Hey, this is Eric Penny, goaltender for the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class as we move into the second quarter. Flipping around, goalies change ends. Uh, second quarter action, not before I tell you about the Vancouver Warriors. You just heard the commercial right there, but new information coming out just uh, mere days ago, Brad. The Vancouver Warriors pleased to announce their Warriors Academy spring break camps. Two- and three-day camps at the Langley Event Center Fieldhouse featuring coaches and players from the Warriors, Matt Beers, Mitch Jones, leading scorer, starting goaltender Eric Penny, and, of course, head coach Chris Gill. Sharpen your skills. Get ready for the upcoming box season. Camps are open to all players 9 to 17 years of age. Completely compliant with current provincial health guidelines. That's super important. Every session is also led by a coach who has been certified by the BCLA. Also important. Camps begin March 15th and run through the 26th, but don't delay because spots are filling up quickly. For more information, visit VancouverWarriors.com and click on the community link to find the Warriors Academy page or just listen to the Warriors' favorite podcast, Lacrosse Classified, and we'll give you all the information right here. Uh, Now joining the podcast, rejoining the podcast, friend of the program, the voice of the Buffalo Bandits, one John Gertler. I, I I did my Gertler impersonation for you when you got on the call here, John. I don't know if I'm going to do it for the people. I might a bit later. I might surprise <laughs> you with that. But uh, good to hear from you, man. How are things back in Buff? It's snowing. Jake, Brad, everything's great here. The snows have subsided, and uh, we're expecting some temperatures uh, that we haven't really experienced since October, about 60 degrees maybe on Wednesday. So that's a, a good tune-up for us, a little spring tease i wouldn't say it's totally over yet but it's a little bit of a tease and it's sure welcome at this particular time so nice to hear the familiar voice of john gertler just right to think that you're introing a game and, and josh Byrne and chase fraser are rolling out and dane smith and what i'd kill to give for a john gertler patented Rib- right now it's yeah. nice to hear your voice john um we jake and i were just reminiscing a second ago that it's been over a year now since we called the national lacrosse league game and we're missing it more and more every day uh how are you feeling in in the snow in buffalo oh i think the harsh reality of the fact brad and jake that uh it's it's a year this week uh we were just coming back from a loss to the thunderbirds in nova scotia and just about ready to head up to toronto with a game against the rock on a friday night and uh, then the you know, everything fell apart. Uh, the league had canceled all the games, the NBA the night before, and then the president of the United States then had said, uh, well, maybe maybe we better shut things down here for a while. And, and it's been a year this week. Uh, totally a loss at the fact that uh, we haven't been able to play for a year. And it will be interesting to see when and if uh, and how this league resumes uh, back in November and um, hopefully that there is labor peace that the two sides can get together and, you know, figure things out. Yeah, say, can hey, you imagine if they together? could not, John, if they, if that was the, a roadblock 
that they hit. Like they, my God, please do not tell me that. Um, you, you, for fans that don't know, you get to travel with the Bandits when they're on the road to do games on yep. the radio. And you just mentioned radio. you got to go to, to Nova Scotia, one of the few visiting broadcasters to, to kind of get into that arena, that city, check out a game. Tell me about Halifax and what that experience was like as a visiting guy in there. It was great. It's a it's a wonderful building uh, for the size of uh, Nova Scotia, Halifax. Um, I had been up there before when I was in the American Hockey League, and uh, this building certainly um, houses some uh, pretty good sight lines. We were way up above the lights, which was you know typical in a building like that. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't have been uh, more gracious in handling everything for uh, our radio broadcast and. Um, did you get like valet parking at, and everything? Like, did they roll out the red carpet for John Gertler when he showed up? Uh, no, we had to walk from the hotel, which is way down the hill, all the way up to the <laughs> the venue site. But what what a place Halifax is, and loaded with history. And you know, I I think that they've done a great job by establishing themselves in the short year that they had. How about your trip to? I feel like it was just the past season that you were in Vancouver as well, and obviously. We, and I don't know if you ever made it to Rogers Arena in the Ravens days, but, you know, from being in the Langley Event Center and then calling a game from Rogers Arena, um, how did you feel? How did you feel being back in the, in the big city of downtown Vancouver? Oh, loved it very much. I mean, Vancouver is such a great spot, right? God's country and all of the great things to see and do, although we had a limited amount of time. But I got a kick out of seeing uh, many of the places that were the housing developments for the Olympics at that time and to see the rejuvenation of downtown um, from that and the arena, which uh, I did call one of the Ravens games back when I first started. That was my first year in wow. 2004, uh, awesome. which I think was called the GM center at the time. GM place. It's the same yeah. building, right? G yeah. GM GM place, place, yeah. yeah. Same Just room. different branding. Yeah. That's, so, that's incredible. I was, on a, I was on a different level uh, calling the games, you know, against the Ravens. And then Brad, we were right next to each other in the broadcast location which was uh god that was pretty cool um you had a great sight line i had a great sight line and uh, some excellent things were happening was it very it was an exciting game yeah right? uh let john maybe while we're, we're talking cities here uh we had oliver marty on next week and you being a, a new york state guy tell give me a give me a buffalo what do you guys call buffalonians is that what you call, call yourself yes about? yes uh, Tell me about Albany, New York, and, and what people can expect when, when that team makes a return to the National Lacrosse League. I'm happy that the the league is coming back into Albany. They're going to get a second chance. Um, it, it was too bad that uh, the Mohegan Sun just couldn't handle it with the um, uh, with the Wolves. But on the other hand, that was a business decision that they had to make. And I think by targeting Albany with the opportunity, again, of reestablishing an NLL franchise down there is going to be good. Uh, that'll give Buffalo, Rochester, Albany some some hits. And uh, based on the fact, too, of the recent success or over the years of 10, 20 years of the University of Albany, what they've been able to do yeah. with their lacrosse program and the growth that they've developed there. And certainly with the nations that are surrounding that area, too, to enhance the game even further. Uh, and the people that are behind the whole process, as I understand, um, influential in the point of you know, carrying the game to a degree where they could build it back up. And I hope uh, carry a, a, a good following and establish a good season ticket plan that uh, they would be able to, you know, keep the game going. You know, let me, let me say this. 
This game is so easy to sell, but it's incredibly hard to market. Mm. And I think we've seen these explain, bumps and bruises. Explain that. Explain that. That that statement, John. Anytime you, you show somebody the game, whether you bring them to the venue, such as Buffalo or Vancouver or wherever you might be, uh, Saskatchewan, the same thing. It is so exciting. People get hooked right away. They get excited. But to market the game on a consistent basis of keeping in front of people with all of the levels of availability that we have now digitally and whether we have anything left from the audio and the printer, you just have to stay in front of people all the time and sell this game to a point to drive the turnstiles on a regular basis. I don't think we do that very well. I think it's incredibly difficult that we market this game in an odd area where we have to attract the fans that we know that we're going to get. You're not going to get the hockey fan. Uh, we know that through experience of the Buffalo Sabres, even though we're under the same umbrella in the ownership. And, and, and the strange part about it is, is that you've got your own cultivated fans and you have to narrow that down to get those fans coming on a regular basis and continuing to grow it to a different scope of people where we can gain a regular solid attendance in all of these cities. So when I say it's incredibly hard to market, I think it is. I've seen challenges all over this league of trying to get people on a regular basis to come to these games. Yeah, I, and that's the big thing, right, John, is that you're going to get the lacrosse people. We know that. That's not good enough, right? It's it's the non-endemic fan that the that's looking for a little fun, little entertainment, and looking to spend some dollars, and, and they have to find those people and get them to come and watch a lacrosse game. Right. I mean, we've got our own little society here. It's our own little boutique. That's what they call this sport. It's a boutique sport where you have a, 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 an encompassed group of fans who are loyal to the nth degree. Mm. Bandit land, name anybody. Other, other teams have their own names. But these people are so dedicated, they're going to come, whether it's yeah. good or bad. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be there. We are looking for these people that will break out of our own little church, that we can attract them to this game. And once we get them there and entertain them on a regular basis, they're going to come back. But And then they become part of Banditland, right? Then they, they, they immerse themselves into the culture and become part of that hardcore fan they base. They can. Yes, they can. And I think um, we, we're, we've got a hit. We've got a, you know, we've got an advantage in Buffalo, the fact that because we have so many loyal season ticket holders and Banditland people that they are our best ambassadors and they welcome new people. They know who the new people are when they come to the arena and everybody makes everybody feel so welcome. And I think that's one of the things that, that every team in this league is experiencing now is getting these new people to our game, but we need to get them back on a regular basis. And that's the tough part about it. And that's where we have to keep cultivating them. How, how can we jump out of our scope, our little scope of, this, this this group that we have and how do we get to the outside and really identify this game. Yeah, yeah. First and foremost, don't let me harp on this because I go on a, I saw a soapbox right now. Mm. The first thing that we have to do right now is continually show this game while this game is down. And it amazes me, Toronto is really the only team that's doing this right now, is showing highlights on every digital platform that they have. And we've got to keep this game in front of people on a regular basis. Whether it's the league's responsibility to reestablish their Google channel and make these games available on a regular basis that people can go, but more importantly, is showing highlights, 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 highlights. I just keep this game going because your regular Joe that's going to be scanning across these digital platforms, they're not going to know if it's 
you know, it was played yeah. last night yeah. or last yeah. year, they're going to look at it and say, hey, this is really cool. Yeah, good point. And I got to watch more of this game. Man, I tell you what, when I'm pushing snow during the wintertime, I wear this really nice Under Armour coat that was given to me by the bandits with a beautiful Buffalo bandit seal on the left shoulder. And when I break out and get out of my truck and go get a coffee, people look at me and go, Buffalo bandits? Are they still around? <laughs> Shit. Come on. There's 16,000 people there last year. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? All right, John. That's where, yeah. that's where the ahead. media comes in. I'm going to segue this dude back to Tom Borelli now. Um, that's where the, me- that's where the me. media, that's where the media comes in, John. And, you know, the league, the league does their part as well, but there has to be writers covering it and broadcasters talking about it and podcasts rambling about it sometimes for, for far too long. And, you know, people like yourself getting the word out. I think that's a little bit of a responsibility of the broadcasters as well is telling the truth about the game, but also growing the game as well. And we're doing the NLL calls to the hall series. We're talking about every, we've spoken to every almost every single National Lacrosse League Hall of Famer, and we're representing the the ones who have unfortunately left us as well. And Tom Borelli being uh, a Buffalo guy and the only media member so far in the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. You got a chance oh, to no, work Oh, no, Neil with. Stevens, Brad, Neil Stevens. No, Neil Stevens. I thought, I thought Tom was the only one for some reason, but okay, yeah. I'll correct. Apologies there to, to Neil Stevens. But um, you got a chance to work with Tom in, the, in your early days in Buffalo, John, and just, you know, what was he, what did he mean to the community and how did he grow the game in, in print back then? Total dedication. And, and the reason why they called him Bull, because he just continued to work all the time. And I can say this, that in Western New York, if it wasn't for Tom Borelli, for the high school level, for his continuing coverage of high school lacrosse, yeah. we wouldn't have as many scouts from Division One, Two, II, and Three in this territory by selecting players that they've been able to scout due to the fact that Tom was consistently filing stories back then to grow the awareness of such quality athlete uh, from the level of the playing lacrosse. And I'll, I'll tell you what, if, if you want to play division one sports here in Western New York and be recognized by division one schools, including St. Bonaventure with my buddy, Randy Mearns, but even Canisius, but you'll find more and more students, athletes that are, you know, that have lacrosse backgrounds that are, they're going to D one schools. That's thanks to Tom Borelli yeah. back in the day when he was covering uh, without fatigue of any of the high school games. And that includes not only baseball and football, and unfortunately Tom lost his life due to an accident of climbing a stairwell of a high school press box. And wow. you know that's just his total dedication. Now, uh, moving up to the Bandits in 1992 and the early stages of the Bandits, if it wasn't for Tom Borelli, who stepped forward to the Buffalo News sports desk and say, I will cover the Buffalo Bandits, you give me X number of inches every time they play, which they allowed to do. They afforded Tom Borelli with his byline on every front page of the sports when the bandits played. They gave him all sorts of opportunities to write the game, and he took advantage of it and did a wonderful job. The bandits wouldn't have grown their base without the dedication coverage of Tom Borelli in the early stages. And he just he continually followed the game. And the Buffalo News followed Tom faithfully by establishing himself as a quality writer and for the guy to cover the bandits as he did on a regular basis in the earlier days, but just as a, was amazing. And you can look back and say, if it wasn't for Tom Borelli, I don't think the bandits would have been able to sell the buildings out the way they were doing, because if it wasn't for him and his total coverage and the gain of coverage that the news gave him, 
And what was he able to do to grow the game independently? Because remember back then we only had radio and TV or radio and newspaper. I mean, Tom just did a phenomenal job. And he was so gracious to me right when I started with the Bandits in 2004. He would sit with me before the game. He would show me all of his notepads that he had kept from the early days of not only high school sports, but the early days of the Bandits. Every score sheet, every quote, you name it. So it was a thrill for me to be there that February 9th of 2007 because we were in town in Philadelphia for the um, famed at that time, the Hall of Fame weekend, right. which started the night before with the induction of uh, the players and, and Tom and then the game after the next day with Buffalo and Philadelphia. But yeah, and Randy Mearns introduced him. And it, it, Randy spoke the same way and just so, such a heartfelt, you know, Randy and his heartfelt rants uh, just spoke so highly of Tom and, and Tom was so honored and humbled for the fact of receiving this award that, you know, he was, he was overwhelmed. It, it, it was, he kind of looked at people like me, Tom Borelli. Yeah. Because, you know, two guys, the league relied on Tom Borelli and many of the statistical areas that they had, they hadn't kept track of. Wow. in the earlier days yeah and they called on Borelli to follow up on you know certain game reports or certain uh stats that he kept independently so he would share with the league i mean just Two, just amazing 2007 and the system the next year to have him you know go through that accident and then die well i i want you to i i, I that's the first time I've, I've heard about the accident john so i want you to kind of tell me about that and, and what happened and for people that don't know tom Borelli. Now the the media person of the year award named after him. So guys like you and Brad, myself, uh, we get we get honored with a media person of the year named after Tom Borelli, who went in in, in 2007. Tom Marichek, Darius Kilgore, Mike French also going in with him. But like, take me back to what like so he just started covering high school sports and kind of found lacrosse and found this passion and love for lacrosse, and then it moved into the pro level is that is that kind of the path or was he always kind of lacrosse guy and just loved the sport and, and wanted to cover that deep down inside i think he really he loved lacrosse there was no question about it but he loved covering sports i mean he did a phenomenal job covering high school sports covered everything from you know from the professional side of the fence when the braves were here with basketball okay. bills so he's just all of it all of it whatever wherever whatever tom whatever he was able to grab onto you know i'll do it I'll do it. No problem. I'll be there. And, you know, and then uh, 1992 rolls around October. And, you know, at that time, the league, the MILL was awarding franchises and, yeah. you know, the sports department. And at that time I was with the Sabres and we were battling with the sports department at Buffalo news just to gain equal coverage uh, of road games, you know, at that time and make sure that we had enough print and, and this stable information and, you know, then the, the bandits. And so I'm sure the sports director go, Oh my God, we, so who wants to cover these Buffalo bandits that are coming in starting in January? Tom Borelli raised his hand. I'm, I'm, I'll be there. What I'll kind of what kind it. of guy was he, John? Like, was he kind of joke around, or is he pretty straight laced kind of guy? Personable? Was he outgoing? What kind of guy was Tom? Very personable. Uh, very uh, intrigued of your reaction to what you might have seen at the game that we, you know, we watched together, and uh, it was very analytical. Uh, looked at it from a standpoint of just absorbing as much as he could. He, yes, he had a very good sense of humor, a dry sense of humor, as most reporters do. But he was loyal to the bone. And as I had mentioned to you initially, the fact that 
when I started in 2004, never had done a lacrosse game before in my life, and uh, was on a first uh, our first radio station that we were on. I think it was all of 13 watts, and I think it went as far as West Seneca, which is just outside of Buffalo. And Tom, because we were covering the games on the road as well, uh, would be listening to the broadcast, and uh, he would always guy I really enjoy listening and do this and that. Very complimentary. Man, I'd love but, to hear some 2004 John Gertler early, man. <laughs> like, oh, man, sign me up for that. A lot of fun. So, I mean, Tom was always there, and then I always had him on the at, at, at halftime. You know, radio, you're just scrounging for a guest at halftime because you have that block to fill. I know, you even asked me one time was, you were so desperate. No, oh, I wanted you. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom was always available and we'd always talk across and he was so eloquent talking about and you could just hear the passion in his voice uh, about how the bandits were playing and how dedicated he was. Yeah, first and foremost, he was a reporter and we know that from a standpoint of listening, you know, you have to be, you have to be right cut right down the middle. You can't be a fan. You can't surely, but on the deep down inside, he loved the bandits and he loved the way they played. Sure. Loved the personality. He grew that personality, grew the personnel and the per, uh, personality of a Darius Kilgore or a Richie Kilgore or a John Tavares in, in the earlier stages and, and, you know, kept faith in all of them. And that's the way he carried himself in covering the game. And as I say, totally responsible firsthand, responsible for growing the bandits attendance in the earlier stages due to his coverage. Yeah, uh, speaking with John Gertler about the late, great Tom Borelli, and, and I don't want to end off on a, on a downer, but I do want to know the, the story behind the accident of, of his death, uh, John, because history is important to me, and, and he's obviously somebody that means a great deal to me as well. Um, tell, me, tell me what happened. The year after, I mean, 2007, he got, was inducted to the NLL Hall of Fame, and then that fall, uh, 2008, I think 2008 was the fall at the, at the time, uh, he was covering a football game, a high school football game, and he was in, ascending a very steep ladder. And as we all know, in covering high school sports, I mean, the press boxes are obtainable either by the stands yeah. or a steel ladder that he was climbing. He lost his balance and he fell. Jeez. And he suffered a head injury. And um, days later, he died. Man due to that and uh, it was it was a shock to every desk at the buffalo news it was a shock to everybody with the bandits and to the high school level um, to that point the uh, the year after the buffalo news developed a tom borelli scholarship for the best male and female lacrosse player out of high school and has since been awarded every year awesome uh, unfortunately this year was the first year that they did not uh, have the Borelli uh, banquet, which they had. And they used to have a golf tournament, which everybody attended. Uh, and I think we did that for 10 or 15 years, you know, whatever. And I think that went by the wayside. And then they had the regular banquet dinner to recognize the top female and male high school lacrosse player. And that was the Tom Borelli Scholarship Award, which awesome. they established and have done it. I might be, I might stand corrected that they, they might have done it virtually this year by handing out the awards, but I don't think because I don't think anybody played high school lacrosse yeah, uh, this no. past year that they were able to hand it out. In fact, I think they're just getting underway with doing high school sports on a limited basis now, but that's Tom Borelli and the man, um, again, legend, just the dedication. And we were so fortunate to have a fellow like that and um, to carry just such the enthusiasm and the dedication of this game. 
yeah. of the box game. I mean, he loved the field game. He loved the sports, but he loved box lacrosse. And the league, we've been talking about it for years, does not does not take lightly naming trophies after people and awards after people. It's something that we've right. wanted to see a lot more of. And he must be pretty special. It must have been pretty important to to get his name on the on the on the award that goes to the media person of the year every year, yep. and that legacy lives on there, and it lives on in the in the Buffalo paper there as well. Well, so hey, that, was in, two, less that was in two thousand five too that yeah. they established the Tom Borelli Award. So, yeah. well, listen, I mean, they uh, figured out that was you guys, John. Uh, you've never won one, correct? No, and that's completely ridiculous. I, I was so happy to see Ripper finally get one last. Uh, well, I guess two years ago now. If you don't get like I'm gonna make it my <laughs> like you deserve one I, more than anybody and and my buddy to my my left here Brad Challoner I think is right on that list as well and, oh, amen. and I, I want to see you both get one before it's all said and done here boys sure enough since they changed the criteria yes but you know originally originally it was just for the writer of yeah. the year yeah yeah no you're right you're right the scribe of the year because of his dedication but well we've, us, we've all grown since then right. Yes, we have. And I look forward to seeing you guys and hearing you guys uh, as I do on a regular basis. Thank you so much for doing this, uh, identifying the NLL Hall of Fame. I'm enthused at the fact that they're going to bring this back. Yeah. Um, I would like to see its own little page uh, on their website, at least an identification of a logo. Click here because you got to deep, you got to dig into their new website mm. of where the NLL Hall of Fame is. But um, I like the new logo. I like the idea and the enthusiasm, but I appreciate the fact that what you guys have been doing to highlight all of the past members of the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to the legends of the game. Speaking of uh, John Gertler, just before we let you go here, we got former Buffalo Bandit Dan Teat coming on the program right after you. You got a, you got anything you want to send Dan's way before we let you go? Just not nothing but great things for dan and his son obviously but dan t boy, we had a great time together while he was with the bandits and i'm so happy that he'll be down with panther lacrosse uh, in texas yeah he'll fit right in with all that ink on his arms <laughs> yes he, he will should he, should be, he should be pretty good you know and <laughs> I, I, I well i was just to tease teat you know the fact that hey we were gonna get a tattoo but uh you took everybody's ink <laughs> <laughs> for, for fans that don't know, a couple of full sleeves on, on Danny T. John, uh, fabulous uh, conversation. So good to catch up with you and can't wait to hear the, the deucel tones of uh, the voice of the bandits. Make his triumphant return to to Buffalo when we get going back. Reba, save cause. Uh, when we get going again, I look forward to it, man. Thanks for doing this. It'll be a lot of fun. See you next fall. All right, man. See you soon, John. Cheers. Nice to hear your voice. There you go. Johnny Gertler, man. Absolute legend. Brad, 2004, that man started calling National Lacrosse League games. Him and Ripper were still undecided who has more all-time games under their belt, but just an absolute travesty that this guy does not have a Tom Borelli award yet. Yeah, it's been between the two of them, uh, the the legendary debate of who has called more NLL lacrosse games. So when I when I close my eyes and think about National Lacrosse League games, Rip! I hear I hear the voice of John Gertler. Any man, Bandits were on a Bandits Bandits were on a pretty good run last year too. Yeah, they lost their last game leading into the 
to the break and to the cancellation, but you know, bandits could have been a team that were, that were charging to the gate. Josh Byrne was on an MVP like tear and all the pieces are there. And what are those pieces going to look like when we get back on the floor? You know, how much does Matt Vince have left in the tank? Like Buffalo needs to close one out right now yeah. with when Dane Smith windows open for the bandits guys. windows, windows open. wide open. They got to walk right through, but thank Absolutely. you, John Gerler. That was great, uh, and to hear him speak about the late, great Tom Borelli. And that conversation about the late, great Tom Borelli brought to you by, of course, our friends at Stampede Tech and Western Wear for our calls to the hall. Along with the classic Storm Rider jacket, Brad, Stampede Tack and Western Wear in Cloverdale offers one of Canada's largest selection of boots. I can attest to this. I've been in there, and literally, if you want to check out all the boots that they have, you start at one end of the store, and their back wall goes from, like, all the way. I, like, you, 10 minutes you could take walking from one end of the store to the other, just checking out their boot selection alone. Traditional Western boots, CSA-approved work boots. They got them all, men's, ladies, kids. Cloverdale, 55 years. Highway 10, 180th, or shop online. It's still shopping local. Stampede.ca, right there. Calls to the hall. Thank you for that. And let's get the break, Brad. Quarter three coming up. Dan T. Next, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Randy Toss from the Iroquois Nationals. You're listening to Lag Class, your go-to source for all NLL and box across. Welcome back to Lax Class. We're into the third quarter here on EP122. Jake Kelly, Brad Sean are with you and with us as they have been from the very beginning. Associated Labels and Packaging. AssociatedLP.com. They focus on people. They focus on ethics. They focus on quality. With 40 years of experience, family-owned right in my hometown of Coquitlam, British Columbia, Sean Ashworth and the gang doing fantastic things with the environment in mind and cutting edge technology always on the forefront at associated labels and packaging associated lp.com that's where you can find them you need a label need a package please call them and you will not be disappointed uh now joining the program rejoining the program once again uh, is dan teat new offensive coach for panther city lacrosse club brampton excelsior legend nll star dan teat uh, back on the program how are you dan good to hear from you i'm doing great gentlemen how are you guys doing great to be back yeah no complaints here and, and uh, i gotta be honest it was brad's idea here he says why don't we get dan teen on the program because uh, i feel like we have a few things that we could talk to dan about uh <laughs> everything that oh, you is mean, you, mean, you mean panther city right yeah That's what we're talking about. <laughs> we are we are we are gonna That's talk it. panther city so let's talk about that right off the top before we get into the to the the heavy stuff if you will uh we want to keep keep tabs on your children as well we'll get to that yeah but, uh yeah let's, let's start <laughs> no, we're good we're congratulations good first i think bob hamley and tk putting together a good crew down there you're gonna be part of that in uh in, in fort worth texas when we get to play national lacrosse league action again dan but um how excited are you to be going going down south 
You know what? I'm extremely excited. I think when, uh, you know, Tracy was hired and, and named the head coach, I think it was kind of a, a no brainer that anybody in the right mind would want to be involved there with, you know, all the things that Bob's done with the game and, and the grassroots that he's really started to develop down there in Fort Worth and in Dallas and some of the other work he's done with 3D, um, you know, has been outstanding. And then you add Tracy and, um, you know, there's a, a huge amount of respect, I think, for Tracy that goes both ways. And we've had some battles against each other over the years with, uh, you know, with Would you consider you guys friendly before this this marriage uh, at, at the coaching level? Like, did you guys, like, hang out or know each other or talk away from the game at all? Oh, yeah. Trace and I, well, I mean, we played against each other forever long ago. Um, and I was on the, the Buffalo bench for, I think, four or five years, a little while ago. And Tracy was one of the guys that we brought in to, uh, right. to play for us. So he was still actually playing. So, um, but yeah, we've got a great rapport off the floor. I think that, uh, you know, we like to bounce ideas off each other. And there's always that, you know, that, that, good internal debate at times and stuff. But I think with a, a, an unbelievable across mind and high IQ that he's got, it's just going to be nothing but good things for us to learn from. How's the cowboy hat collection? You know what? <laughs> the last time I got one, I was actually playing in Buffalo and a couple of us were going to Cowboys after a game. So we had to get at before we went. Um, and I have a white one. I got the good guy cowboy hat. Okay. So, okay. Um, I think it might be time for a 10 gallon black. One. There you go. Stampede Stampede Tack and Western Wear, Dan Teet, uh, we're shopping online. It's still shopping local. If, if you need one, just tell them, <laughs> tell them Jake sent you. We were, joking, we were joking last week that you guys knew your D coach should be from Orangeville, and then you'll have the real Ontario trifecta there with the Peterborough guy and a Brampton guy to, and Orangeville guy. I don't know how close you guys are finding a, a D coach, but uh, what, do you, what are you guys thinking there? Uh, I think there's a few people that are on a short list. Um, ultimately, if I'm not mistaken, um, I'm pretty sure that Bob has left it up to, you know, the head coach to make a decision there. It's one of the things that uh, um, coaches you know, get to do. You put your guys in place, right? Yeah. Like, you know what? Bob respects Tracy enough that he knows he's going to make the right decision. So there's a few guys on Tracy's list and I'm sure that uh, it'll be coming through soon. I would imagine. I don't, I don't know. Um, there's no great rush now that some stuff's been announced as far as timelines. Maybe that things will get sped up, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be a good one. Tracy's got a lot of contacts and a lot of respected guys in that league, so I'm what sure they'll be funny. You know, you guys are doing your homework right now, and we're a long time away from expansion and, and entry drafts and all that stuff. But, you know, what have, what have you learned looking at the teams over the last you know couple seasons in the NLL? Like when you look at San Diego and Philly versus – you know, New York and, and Rochester, what are you guys seeing as the difference between the successful expansion teams and the teams that have struggled out of the gate? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that you want to try and put together is a blueprint of what your player is going to look like. Um, and I think the biggest key, especially in Panther city is one of the things that we wanted to do was you want to make sure that you're going to draft sign um, trade for guys that you're going to have for an extended period of time. There's not too many one and dones that you're going to want an expansion team. And, and furthermore to that, you know, um, it, it's tough to get those older free agents to sign in an expansion team. So I think what it is, is, is we want to try and put, you know, the best well-rounded group of players that we can together with, uh, with a good mix of some better leadership and, uh, you know, some young hungry talent that wants to make a name for themselves in the league. And, and we'll be able to push that uh, envelope right off the bat because they're going to get a chance that they might not have gotten in those other cities. Well, as we speak with Dan Teed here, I'm just 
thinking out loud, uh, New York Riptide GM Jimmy Scoop Veltman, Bram- Brampton guy, if I'm not mistaken, right? He is, yeah. Yeah, so I, I imagine you know Jimmy pretty well, and, and he's got a, a particular number one draft pick in, in his stable that hasn't suited up for the Riptide yet. Uh, you've you've coached that individual. You've, you've been around that guy for, for quite some time, as, of course, we're speaking about your son, Jeffrey. Uh I got to ask, Dante, uh, have those conversations even began between New York and, and maybe Panther City about acquiring said Jeff Teat uh, for Fort Worth? <laughs> That's a great question. We won for Bob Hanley. Um, I don't know. I think that, um, you know, I think it's – there was all of that talk prior to the draft of, you know, if, if there were teams that were willing to – to give up enough to get them and stuff. And I don't know that Panther city was in that, um, mm. that mix, but at the end of the day, I think New York made it very clear and Jimmy and, and, um, you know, rich Lick or rich list. Sorry. Uh, I think you said like six first rounders and Lyle Thompson to get it done. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with Lyle, we're talking about the best player in the world right now. So that's a pretty tough guy to give up. Um, it, it's, it's more about the fact I think that New York made it very clear that you know they wanted Jeff in, in their in their stable and, and part of their long term future and success. So um, that's where he is, and it's. Do you think that's good? Like, like I mean, that, we saw it with Gibson, right, with with New York and and Daryl being in New England at the time, and and he had the potential to go number one, uh, or or fall to New England. Do you think it's a better situation to kind of let him cut his teeth on his own and you do your thing in a, in a different city? Or would you prefer to have him on your bench? I mean, I, like, I know you'd prefer to – you know what I'm saying there, though, Dan? Like, do you want him to kind of make his own way a little bit too? A hundred percent. If you ask me, I will tell you a hundred times out of a hundred times that I would love to have him on my bench. Having said that, the flip side is um, there's nothing greater for a lacrosse guy or a player to have different – you know, different voices, different minds, um, you know, teaching them different things and stuff. And, and it probably is going to be real good for Jeff. You know, he's been hearing the same voice for a long time and um, it's stuff that, you know, he's, he's smarter than I am when it comes to the game. So it's really tough to kind of explain some of those. I think he's smarter too, than everybody. Well, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I think it's going to be good. It's, it's going to be one of those things that we can, um, you know, we can kind of cut each other's teeth and, and take some um, great conversations together that are going to be involved with some different franchises. So it's going to be good for us, and, and it's going to be a great learning experience for him, I think. Speaking of uh, speaking of Jeff Teat, um, Ivy League not playing NCAA lacrosse right now, and a lot of the, the extra seniors taking that hiatus, your son included. Any, any update there on when we may see him or can we see him on NCAA – field sometime this spring are you talking about jeff yeah, yeah. Uh, what's yeah, I, what um, what's the deal with that like he's i mean the, ivy's not playing can he still transfer or is that too late i i think my guess is it would probably getting a little late right now i think that thought might have been there uh a few weeks ago or even when he first went back um but you know in sticking to and one of the biggest things that I respect about him is, is he decided as soon as that it was canceled last year that he wanted to go back Yeah. and he never wavered from that. And he fought to get back to Cornell and it was Cornell only. Mm. And at the end of the day, he went back for the second semester. And uh, I think there might've been some dialogue with coaches and ADs about transferring. And, and 
um, you know, he stuck with Cornell and Cornell only. And, and I think his biggest positive coming out of this is he, he is still going to have a Cornell degree when he's done school. And that was something that he was very proud of Yeah, and something that he gets to, you know, again, be proud and, and you know, it's going to make him back. some money in life too. Probably. I don't yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Having a Cornell degree. Yeah, Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, All right, Dan Tate. uh, Man, what the hell is going on in Brampton? Uh, Can I just start with that? Like, what is going on? Was there some news I missed? Is something (laughs) happened I didn't didn't catch on here? Um, We we kind of talked about about it off the top, all the kind of thing, how it it transpired and and kind of things happened, and all of a sudden they're in Owen Sound, but nobody really knows uh, how much money was exchanged and who got money and where the money is and how come this investigation from this group was not fault. Nobody talked to you, and, you know, is the Excelsior name going to be staying in Brampton? Are you guys going to try and get another team? Like, there's a hundred questions we want to ask, but I guess give me the, the the state of the union right now. Where where are things at? Well, I, I, you know, first and foremost, the state of the union for us, um, you know, as players, alumni, coaches, is um, you know an extremely disappointing and sad day for for Brampton Lacrosse. You know, one of those staples in major lacrosse for you know as long as anybody can remember so when the news broke on i guess it was thursday um it was utterly disappointing for us and i I think that one of the things that can be said from you know our our coaching staff's point of view and um obviously parents and fans of brampton was that you know it's a really it's a really tough day for the players and you know as much as we've got alumni and you know the the mike hazens and and guys like that have played their whole life in Brampton. We've got a pile of players on that team that have done the exact same thing too. So for them, it was really disappointing. And it came as a bit of a surprise because I'm not going to lie. We were wondering what was going to happen as far as um, a bit of an investigation going into, uh, you know, what we thought were some valid points. And um, the OLA put a committee together. I think it was in December or January they put a committee together to look into that stuff and somehow they voted on it on Wednesday night and it was passed through. So nobody, um, nobody spoke to you about that at all. No, no, no one spoke. The only one that, um, the other thing that happened is is I requested a special meeting to attend. I wanted to attend, attend a a special meeting with the OLA board of directors. um, And the only ones that kind of requested that and seemed to be, uh, on board with having a special meeting we're calling Grimes and Ian Garrison. So, um, you know, they put a request in and it, it actually, I never heard anything and it well, just fell on de- deaf ears. What, eh? was, like, what was your intention with, with that meeting Dan? What were you planning to, to get across there? Well, I, you know what, I think there was, uh, there's, we want to be able to look at people that are governing organizations and people are governing sports um, franchising and, te- and teams and making sure that those governing bodies, board of directors, whatever you want to call them, are doing what's in the best interest of the sport and the city that they um, govern. And, and you know what? Honestly, we, we didn't feel as, as a group, we didn't feel that that was happening in Brampton. We didn't think that um, the sale of the team was a, a 100% above board. And Like it know, wasn't and- offered to anybody within – Brampton before the sale to Owen Sound. Like nobody was privy to that the team was potentially up for sale. I mean, this this guy from Owen Sound 
had inquired about expansion a couple of times. He wanted to acquire an MSL team, but was anybody in Brampton like yourself or Ron Evans or whoever like said, do you guys want to buy this before I sell it to somebody else and keep it in Brampton? Was that option ever presented to anybody? Uh, no. Um, I guess that's kind of a bit of a two-part. One is the first time that it was brought up at a BELC meeting, it was brought up that, hey, you know, we're not going to be able to sustain the funding for this team over the near future or even the far future. Um, so we we think it's in the best interest to transfer the team to Joe Norton from Michigan. And at that time, everybody was like, whoa, what? Who's Joe Norton from Michigan? And we're just going to vote on transferring it right now. At that time, at that point at the meeting, this is there's no questioning, denying. Ron Evans put his hand up and said, is the team for sale? How much is it? I will buy it. And that fell on deaf ears. And then um, pretty much what happened was a vote to transfer to Joe Norton's name was uh, defeated. I, it, like 16 to nothing was the number. And then an hour later at the same meeting, uh, the vote was 50. Uh, forgive me if my numbers are not 100% right. If it was 15 to 2 or 14 to 2. In favor of giving the president, the GM of the major team at the time, um, proxy to go negotiate the best deal. And that's Ziggy? Um, is that is that who that is? Ziggy is the president, yeah. Um, so they went and negotiated the best deal and signed it and sealed it. The BELC, I, I will say there are members of the BELC that took that as you're going to go negotiate the best deal, bring it back to us, and we will vote on it. Yeah. Um, so the, 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 the thought or the threat of potentially moving the team was never even considered. It was just, okay, we have new ownership now. And that's when the bug juice came in and all that sort of stuff, which was, I'm sure a tough pill to swallow to begin with taking the B off the, off the crest and, and the chest and all the rest of it, but never the thought of we're going to lose the Excelsiors. Well, and that, that yeah, that's maybe that's why that, that, um, that sale agreement between Joe and, um, Ziggy was kept confidential and kept from the board for the better part of two and a half years. Um, because one of the stipulations in that sales agreement was keep it there for two years and then re re-examine, right? Is that, is that what you're about to say? Joe had to keep the team in Brampton for three years, three at years. which point he was allowed to move it. But nobody knew that. I, well, no, nobody knew that. And after seeing it, um, it would be, you know, anybody's belief in Brampton lacrosse, you know, wherever you want to talk about, as soon as I see that in a sales document, I walk away from the deal. Um, well, because, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen when that three year window is up. Right. Like that. There's no question that's going to happen at. To get things a, a little deeper here, Dan, like I know you and Nikki and, and some others got together and formed a group and, and sent out a, a petition to a number of people, myself included, which I which I signed. And unfortunately, this document was was passed around to some people that it shouldn't have been by one Doug Arthur. Am I am I correct in, in this statement? Well, it, so it, it's a I think the thing that needs to be very clearly stated here is in in a document that we sent to the OA and it was a document and a package put together outlining you know some of the issues that we had as far as the BELC and how they ran things and whether or not they were following their own constitution whether or not constitution as a matter of fact were in that document along with a petition and anybody who knows that's on a petition okay so you're you know you would have noticed that you put your name your address and your phone number on that document 
Um, that's confidential stuff as far as we're concerned. And we sent it to the OLA board of directors with, you know, the utmost confidence that would have, it, it would have been held confidential. Someone on that board shared it with a BELC member who then shared it with the rest of the BELC, which is actually the board in which we are asking the OLA to investigate. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it got back I mean, to the exact people that it shouldn't have essentially. Right. And how, um, and, you know, furthermore to that, and I, you know, there's no, there's no denying the fact that I have to hide anything. I have not heard about why that happened or how that happened or who let it happen um, from the OLA. Man. Where, where are we at now then, Dan? Like the, obviously the move was announced last week, but can the board still be investigated? Is this, or is this pretty much just a done deal and now time to figure out how to, how to keep that name in Brampton and, and get a new team back like, is the name uh, staying in Brampton? Is Excelsior's belong to Brampton, or can that guy take the name? Um, I, you know what? I would have to directly look at this the this, the sale agreement right now, but I am pretty sure that uh, the name got to go. He's nuts if he thinks he's right. Got to, like, a... <laughs> now how that works with the, the the junior A and the junior B team still in Brampton? I'm not 100 percent sure how that works, but I guess he could probably call himself the Major Excelsior's. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, the naming rights were going as well. I think when it, and when it came, what, sorry, Brad, when it came down to, to the board of governors from the major series and other teams, you know, that represent these franchises casting their vote on approving the sale or not, did, do they do it just out of the best interest of themselves thinking, okay, maybe he's going to get more fans in Owen sound. Maybe we're going to make a little more money with, with the gate relic. I don't know how it works in Ontario, but. Was anybody on the on the board of governors in the major series opposed to the move, or was that a unanimous thing as well? And could they care less whether it was in Brampton? Uh, from my understanding, it was it was unanimous, and it might have even been, to be honest, Jake and Brad, it might have been six nothing. Um, and and why? I'm not sure. You got to like, there's the GMs in major series, uh, the major series lacrosse are they're smart educated and they're lacrosse legends in every walk of life. So I have the utmost respect for them, but I can't tell you why they would have just assumed or just agreed to it. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it was something like that, you know, they think it's going to be a better atmosphere and Owen sound. It, that's a great question, but um, one that I can't answer just because I don't know how it was presented to the board of governors of the MSL or, you know, what kind of topics were, discussed at the meeting but, yeah. you know and you have to respect their decisions it, for whatever reason they thought it was a good move for the msl um you know here in brampton as alumni and and executive members and volunteers and parents and players and coaches we didn't feel it was what what is the intention or what is what is your intention or feeling of of going to owen sound and and some of your players too do you think this is just the the end of the end of the road for not the end of the road but like like, are you guys going to go play there? Are gonna, yeah, are people going over? <laughs> We're just throwing out there bluntly. Um, I, it, it's a tough one. I, I think that's a decision that has to be made individually based on player. And a lot of it, you know what, to be honest, anybody that's played lacrosse, and, and you know, you guys can attest the fact that if you've got a full-time job and stuff, you have to kind of garner – how far is Owen Sound from? I have no idea from Brampton. We're about an, we're about an hour and forty five minutes. Okay, so it's yeah, so that's not if, a short jaunt. No, so that you know, for home games, that turns into you know a six and a half, seven hour night for for any of the guys coming from Brampton. Some of the guys that are a little north of us, 
Um, you know, they might cut 45 minutes off their drive, so it might only be an hour for them. But we've also got all those guys we drafted from, you know, Mimico. from Mimico and and stuff like that. So, so you haven't decided whether you're going to be the coach of this team. Have you even been offered the job? I have not been. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I'm fighting across the Yeah, well, no, I, you know, and like, what, uh, you know, and what, what is, what is the state of of Brampton Minor right now? Like, are are what are what are numbers like compared to some of the outlying regions? Like, is this is the rest of the association sort of sort of in trouble as well? I, I don't think so. I think that um, you know we've got a very very um, smart and educated. Uh, gentleman is our president when it comes to you know minor lacrosse and and some of the positives with regards to getting out there into the, com- the community and stuff with with some of the junior and major players in chris low and and i mean if you look back and it's it's a testament to what ron evans did for minor lacrosse i think when ron and chris or actually patty took over before chris low they might have been and i'm they might have been thirty thousand dollars in debt and you know before the year was up Ron, Patty O'Toole, and Chris Lowe had them, you know, in a positive, it might've been $60,000. So I think that um, with our minor programs and, you know, it's been tough because obviously we haven't, you know, haven't had lacrosse in the better part of 18 months. But um, when we get back to it, we've got some alumni that have come back to start, um, you know, putting their time in for, for coaching some of the younger groups. And I think that's going to really benefit the, uh, the growth of the sport in Brampton and, and the people that are on the Brampton minor lacrosse executive now are, are always pushing for, you know, for bigger numbers and, and getting it out there and, and getting our, our name out in the community and, and getting more kids involved in it, quite frankly. So it's, we're probably, you know, somewhere around the same, but you know, it, it's tough to, to gauge whether or not you're, um, you know, in the same boat as far as numbers with, with team or places like Orangeville and stuff like that, just because, you know, in Orangeville, 100% of their kids play well, there's, across, not, there's so. nothing else to do there now. We know right. that, right? Yeah, there's so. nothing else to do in Orangeville. Um, uh, Dan, but, yeah, but listen, man, I, I I, honestly, I, I still can't wrap my head around this. It's like taking the bellies out of New Westminster, the Canadians out of Montreal, or, or something like that to me. Like, it just does not sit right. I honestly... 50 years. Yeah, like uh, Brampton, yeah. Brampton is the Excelsiors. The Excelsiors are Brampton, and... Listen, I had my fair share of run-ins with Ronnie Evans and, and Doug and, and even Losey a little bit, uh, but I never want to see the BE leave Brampton. And, and I hope things change around. I don't know whether you get the team back or you get yourself a new team, but either way, Brampton belongs in Senior A Lacrosse. I hope that happens, and I hope you're a part of it. And uh, I just want to commend all the work that you and Nikki and, and a couple others have been spearheading trying to trying to make this thing happen i commend you for it uh congratulations on the pclc thing man i'm, I'm looking forward to crossing paths with you in the nll now and uh i appreciate your time on on lax class man awesome guys thanks so much for the time appreciate being heard thank you so much there he is uh new offensive coach for panther city uh, i know he's working on a scarf game he's gonna get himself a 10 gallon hat now brad uh he's already got the tats like like gertzy said but uh he's gonna fit right in there in fort worth and man like honestly like when i think of brampton dan teat is the first name that comes to my mind yeah for dan teat he was captain of some of those man cup teams played year again played until he was like in his 39 40 years old 
coach the team and then goes on to to go to a Minto Cup with his son as the head coach of the team. Right, they didn't team. even bring up 2018. Just, My a, just about to take the reins of, of the senior team and try to do some good things with a good young core there. So, you know. I can't imagine it's, there's it too many. shocking and heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, that... he's, he's doing the right thing. Like, he is wrapped in lacrosse and he's fighting the good fight. And, yeah, it's an unfortunate scenario. Yeah, some guys might have to make a monetary decision in summer lacrosse about do I want to go to Own Sound and try to make a buck or do I do I stay with my my heart and my soul and say, no, I'm not going anywhere and I'm staying in Brampton, so so be it, come hell or high water kind of thing. But yeah. uh, we respect the guys who who fight the good fight and and live and breathe and die in lacrosse and, and Dan Teed is one of them. Certainly is, and uh, I can't imagine there's too many happy lacrosse people in the city of Brampton right now. I hope it all works out. So to Hoka Nanako. Okay. Where, where is this going? For Jeff T. Oh, yeah. Man. Like, they're going to get the number one overall pick, which is likely going to be Tahoga. I would think that if you're Jim Veltman, you have to be ears on on Tahoga for T. And maybe something else. Like, they don't have any roster players to give up yet, but maybe it's like a... Well, they got the number one expansion and entry. Right. So if maybe it's Tohoga Nanako and it's whoever they pick in number one in expansion that Jim Veltman might have his eye on from, say you know, defending champion Calgary Roughnecks or something like that. Flip that and number one for Jeff. I don't think that's going to get it done. I think, think, not, get it done? I think maybe the, the number one the following year as well you throw into that mix. Yeah, maybe two, two firsts overall. Uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, Tahoga in, in Long well, Island. I you know, we're, we're, we're dreaming because, as, as Dan said, like, it's not – this isn't summer lacrosse, right? Just because a dad is behind a bench doesn't mean a kid has to go play no, for no. said team. It's not junior. It's not WLA or MSL. This is this is the freaking national lacrosse league we're talking about. So it doesn't have to happen. I know people are going to get their hopes We're up. starting tampering wars. And we're, not... <laughs> exactly. we're just stirring the pot here. All right, Brad, uh, we're running long here on 122. We're just wrapping up the third quarter. We got quick sticks and something else still coming up. So stick with us here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Back, fourth quarter, coming right up. Hey, this is Joan Ardella from the New England Black Wolves. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Episode 122, fourth quarter time. It's quick sticks in quarter number four. Uh, normally, we, we offer up uh, Manscaped, our, our sponsorship here for quarter number four. Uh, Manscaped going to take a little break here from Lax Class. So uh, we might have something new cooking as far as uh, a new sponsor for quick sticks coming up. I'll keep that in my back pocket but, uh, Brad, I, I'm, I'm going to the dentist tomorrow. So one more shout-out for Manscaped as uh, I got up there with, with the, the weed whacker and the note. You gotta, you, of course, your teeth have to be clean for, for the dentist. You want that. Uh, you know, like people brush your teeth before you go, even though they're going to clean them anyway. So that's kind of weird. But you got to clear out the nose because the dentist is literally staring right up your nostrils while you're in the dental chair there. So uh, weed whacker it was today. That's the same reason why I did the weed whacker on my ears when I got my hearing tested and the wax drained a couple of months ago. I couldn't have Doc <laughs> weeding through the bushes to get to my waxy eardrum. Yeah. No, I'm all. How, I'm how is all, the ear? How is the ear doing? By the you way, you know, it's a lot better. It's a lot. It's a lot better. Okay. Uh, I'm still pretending to my wife though that I'm clogged up and I can't hear anything. <laughs> 
I love so I'll it. Be, I'll be milking that for a while. But no, I'm all about I'm all about the lawnmower on the face right now. I haven't shaved with a razor since before Christmas. I'm it's using lovely. it just to like rock the stubble, the five o'clock shadow. Yeah. The women and love it's, it. uh, I like it. It's it's simple. I just give it a quick buzz every morning. Speaking of lawnmowers, we still have two to give away, and we will do that when we're done. We still have a few more weeks of content suggestions, and then we're going to pick maybe one, maybe two of these and run I've with it. I've got a front runner. I've got a front runner so far. It's uh, Brent Robinson in Alberta. He suggested that we watch old games, mm. like say like the 2008 finals, and we sort of watch the game. You and I watch it together. And then the following show, we can sort of recap that game, have maybe the MVP from that game on, and relive, go back in time. As Gertler was suggested, like, roll out the highlights and talk about... Buffalo in that 2008 championship game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, champions in 08 were the bandits. Uh, so I like that idea, too, from, from Bet Robinson. We got a bunch of others that we got uh, on the burner as well. So keep those suggestions coming at Lax Class, at Lacrosse Classified, and let us know what you want to hear from us uh, in the coming months here once we run out of Hall of Famers. Uh, let's get through these quick sticks here in quarter four, though, Brad. Uh, Bob Hayes out as the Shamrocks coach. You mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Mike Simpson in as the Shamrocks coach. A lot of battles against Simpson over the years during my playing days, and he's been on that Shamrock bench for a while now. So it'll be kind of a new old voice there in Victoria. We'll see how uh, Mike Simpson does as the new head coach of the Shamrocks. Paul Horn, Brad, you mentioned this just before we started recording, banging up signs out there in the mesh. The president of the Bellies, uh, big fan of the show, I too, I might add, but Paul Horn running for mayor of Mission. <laughs> I, I thought he was the mayor of Mission already. Well, yeah, based on how hard he reps that town, but making it making it official. Paul Horn is one of the most interesting men in lacrosse. Great uh, follow, Warm, great follow. Lukewarm food takes on Twitter, <laughs> yes, but awful know, jokes. The bellies, yeah. And but yeah, don't uh, and running for president of Mission, Mission Salmon Bellies. Too soon. Uh. Too soon after the discussion we've let, had don't today. Let, don't let the boss hear you. No, there might, say might that, be that too part. much power. Uh, might be too much power for Mr. Horn. So there. yeah, no, congratulations, Paul. Paul is a great guy. And Bellies haven't played a game under Paul Horn no, yet. I so know. like, feels like he's been there forever now. I thought they had a great belly, draft bellies, too. Yeah, Bellies are in great hands. Uh, so good luck to, to old Bootstrap out there. Couple more quick sticks. Uh, I mentioned last week that I thought the Founders was in Coquitlam. I was wrong. A couple people corrected me on this. The Founders, and we've been talking a lot about this place. Brampton. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So uh, shout out to Brampton. That's where the Founders is going to be. And uh, hopefully that happens come this summer. Speaking of coming this summer, just like the WLA announced their schedule, the MSO, I told you you were going to mention this in Quick 6, Brad, July 5th, they say, is their drop-dead date to begin the season. They're waiting another six weeks or so for the health authorities to kind of give them some guidance on whether they can have a schedule, but they're looking at 10 games, essentially a home-and-home home with every team, and then they will, in fact, host the Man Cup in September if they can follow along the timeline of this schedule that they released. Possibly in Owen Sound. Again, too soon. <laughs> too soon? Yes. Definitely too soon. Uh, Oliver Marty on the program. I hope we can have a Man Cup. Oh, God, just give me anything. I hope we can have a Man Anything. Uh, Oliver Marty on the program last week mentioning they're they're gonna 
narrow down the name choices here for the new franchise in Albany. They have done that, Brad. Uh, Albany Attack, little retro, little renaissance there. Albany Attack, one of them. Albany Firewolves, another one. So a little play off the Black Wolves, but Firewolves and then Black Arrow. So they use Black Wolves, but in two different names. Black Arrows, Firewolves. Three names. Attack, Firewolves, Black Arrows. Uh, what says you for the new name of the Albany franchise? Bring back the attack. The league hasn't really gone back and tapped into nostalgia. I know some people were trying to vote for the Ravens when the Warriors uh, took the Saints. Canucks, they the wanted the Saints over, back. They wanted the Saints back. They, people have wanted a lot of names back in the league, and I think you've got a great chance now to sort of tap in on some of that nostalgia. I'd like to. I know. Think. I think speaking of Ollie last week, that orange looks like it might be staying a little mm. bit. We were hoping for maybe that teal to come in. Now that Rochester's not teal anymore, there's a little bit of room there. But I do like the attack. Tap in on the early 2000s nostalgia. Bring in the new fans as well. And I think there's something there. Here's what I say. Um, a fun fact here, though, Brad. Attack originally back in 2000, right? Off to San Jose, becoming the San Jose Stealth. The San Jose Stealth become the Washington Stealth. The Washington Stealth become the Vancouver Warriors. Uh, so essentially, that is the old Albany Attack franchise, Vancouver Warriors now, and now Philadelphia to New England, New England to Albany as they get their yeah, team back. Smidge, just smidge convoluted. I remember always combing through those stealth media guides and Josh Sanderson and with right. all over the Dan T. Yeah. Um, for me, drop the black off the arrows. Albany arrows. You can't take that away from Six Nations. Why not? There's already a prominent lacrosse brand under that moniker. It's like when the Chicago Shamrocks came in. It didn't. I, I didn't like that. Like that brand already exists. Don't don't take it away from the Six Nations. Well, brand. Kansas City Chiefs, Six Nations. Like there's endless Jets, Winnipeg Jets, New York Same Jets. Sport, though. Those are different. Saints, those are different sports. Uh, uh, Warriors and Warriors is different. Two arrows different, and arrows in lacrosse is junior close. lacrosse, pro lacrosse. Don't piss on my parade. Don't Brad. like it. I don't like it. So you're going to attack. I'm saying drop the black and let's go Albany Arrows. I think you could do a lot with the, the AA, the, the arrow logo. I like the, the symmetry there. Last uh, quick stick I have here, and, and I actually tagged the Warriors on this, and they, they put it out there on their socials so you can see it on NLL Warriors or, or on mine. or I don't know if the NLL has done it or not, but – our boy, Brad Chowner, Vancouver Warrior, Tyrell Hamer Jackson. I know you're not on Instagram. You, you got the Lax Class account, though. Have you seen Have you seen the Hammer's Instagram account? I did see it. So what? What's <laughs> this? Amazing. amazing. I was I was like sick to my stomach watching it, just thinking like, what if this dude slips? But he's not going to slip because he's a freaking log rider, and they don't they don't mess around. But what what Hammer was doing, the Kamloops product, Tyrell Hammer Jackson of your Vancouver Warriors. He's a he's a tugboat. Yeah, he's a, like a, a logger, essentially, or a logger by day. And he filmed a video cradling, jumping between two logs on the banks of the Pacific Ocean or the Fraser River or wherever he was. But just look this video up because it's absolutely unreal. So and give him a follow. Like, Tyrell T Y R E L L H J. Tyrell H J. Kind of content I like to see. Tyrell's been working. 
Tyrell's been working hard. He's got a lot of workout videos on there. He's practicing face off, off camps. Right? He's, he's yeah. going to be for real at, at, at camp whenever that fires. I up. tell you, nobody's working harder than that kid. And uh, Hammer Grip Pro, by the way, he's got a new uh, little face off handle for for lacrosse shafts that's pretty cool for face off guys so check that out as well but i just that's not the only video he's ever put out of him running across the logs but this time he grabbed a stick and he was like dodging and but the the stuff that he you does ever, um, is nuts like it's nuts and he remember, is a heck of a do you remember the log rider needle the log the log driver's waltz uh, I think I've probably heard that back in, in the late 70s. It, but used I can't. To, I, it used to air on YTV in Canada in between two shows <laughs> okay. when they didn't have commercials. There was just filler. They'd air this three-minute log ride. Is that the guy with the corn, corn cob pipe and he's just like running? He's on... got a plaid jacket and boots on and he's riding down the river and he's marrying all the dames on the riverbank and there's a song that it's in my head but I don't exactly okay. know how to get it out. All right. Maybe but we'll, it's like uh... something, something, the log drive. If you're Canadian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> And that song should be playing underneath Hammer when he's. I'm sure. I'm sure the Hammer knows. It. We're going down a bad path here. Let's end quick sticks <laughs> to overtime. Give Tyrell Hammer Jackson a follow on Instagram. Fourth, no, overtime is next. All right, Lux Class, uh, into overtime we go here on episode 122. Next goal wins, sudden victory time here on the podcast. Uh, just before we get into something else here in OT, I want to let you know that you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to Lux Class, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple, uh, Anchor, wherever you listen to podcasts, you will find Lacrosse Classified. Hit that subscribe button. Send out a review as well. Positive, I hope. Uh, give us a follow on, on social media. At Brad Shell is my buddy, my paliner. Brad Challoner. I am at PXP for sports. PXP for sports. The show is at Lax Class on Twitter, at Lacrosse Classified on Insta. We got a Facebook page and we got an email address as well, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com if you want to get a hold of the show that way as well. We appreciate it all the, the comments, the DMs, the suggestions, the emails, everything we've gotten over the last few weeks uh, regarding new content ideas. Keep those coming. We appreciate them and uh, we're going to use them. So keep them coming. Uh, before we get into something else here, I do want to let you know, we're going to talk about this on the other side, but this will, in fact, be Jim Else's final something else for the next foreseeable future anyway. So uh, with that in mind, please enjoy this final something else. Let's begin. All right, now, wasn't that fun? Let's try something else. Let's try something else. Hey, Jake and Bradley, it's Jim Else here. Time for another week of something else on the Lacrosse Classified podcast. Uh, before I get out into the yard and help Mrs. Jim uh, with some things around the house, I thought I'd whap out a quick uh, two-minute segment um, on uh, Lacrosse Twitter, my Twitter, uh, uh, everybody's Twitter, I guess. Um, and here I go. Uh, last week um, was kind of a was a hard one for me. I I'm not used to being uh, I wouldn't say censored, but I'm not used to having to think about what I say 
or or have any uh, responsibility to anybody with what I've with, uh, with what I tweet or what I say. Uh, I do not have a burner account. I'm just Jim Else. Everybody knows who I am, and actually, you can know how to get a hold of me if you want to talk to me face to face or on the phone. It's uh, I'm pretty out there, um, but I have a responsibility uh, as do other people. Uh, like for example, whoever runs the major series and lacrosse uh, uh, Twitter account to be responsible for the people that uh, that you represent in your brand. And and frankly, I have to be responsible to Jake and Bradley uh, as I go along and I have to make sure that, uh, you know, that I I think twice before I tweet. Uh, that wasn't done last week um, with the uh, uh, Excelsior's move and uh, the the Twitter account that runs the league that they're, uh, that they're part of. And uh, there's people upset about uh, about that move and, and to get kind of mocked openly and then later deleted fairly, but uh, uh, get mocked openly on the Twitter by an organization like that uh, isn't really cool. And that's that's what I felt about myself as well. I uh, tweeted out something without thinking about the sensitivity of, uh, you know, of this podcast. And, you know, that's the first and foremost. I'm here just for a good time and I don't want to stress out anybody else. So I have to be careful with what I'm tweeting. And uh, I guess everybody else should too. Uh, that's it for me this week. Uh, good times and ciao. Well, there you go. Something else with Jim Else. Uh, that'll be the last one for a while, as I mentioned there, Brad. And a number of reasons for this, I would I would say. Maybe not a number, but a few. And and I think the main one is, is you heard Jim kind of talking about censorship and, and thinking before you hit that send button. Um, last week, little issue there, and, and I was aware of it. Jim was aware of it. I kind of had to say something, and, and but I, like, and that was kind of the problem for me is that I, I hated the fact that I had to tell Jim that that wasn't okay and that could get me in some hot water that doesn't look good on the podcast. And, and part of the reason that we all love Jim is because he doesn't have a filter at some times and just puts out there maybe some uncomfortable truths and, and things that need to be said from time to time that guys like me and you that are employed by a team and employed by the league just can't say. And I hated the fact that I had to kind of take that away from him, and, and he handled it well. But uh, that was kind of the main precipice of it, that that I didn't want to have to think about that, worry about that, and I didn't want Jim to have to worry about that. And I think listening to listening to his editorials over the last few months, I think he has censored himself a little he bit. Has. And that, that isn't that isn't Jim. You know, that wasn't really we wanted to first provide the platform to 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 have some hot takes and then we could sort of spring springboard off of them and then discuss them in the in the last segment here. But you know, without the games being on and, and there's just so much has changed in the world. I think Jim's tone changed a little bit and maybe tried to censor himself and didn't didn't sound like himself maybe on the editorials where, you know, if you see him tweet on a regular Wednesday afternoon, he's unfiltered Jim and that's what the people love. So I think it is a good time for... Or the for people him. hate, Brad. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the polarizing thing of what a spark plug like Jim does, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's what... that's really not what this show tries to do because yeah you and i both are employed by a team and we have really close relationships with with players and staff and personnel and we've got jobs to protect and jim being a super fan and one of the spark plugs of 
of the fans can can have that leash and, and do that on on that platform. I think that's a great that's a great home for it. Yeah, you know, I think he's a man that, of the people, right? Like, and he's a polarizing guy. There's there's a lot of people that love Jim. There's a lot of people that don't love Jim. And and I I mean I, I I'm su- in the love camp. I I'm suppose we camp, could say the, the same for for you and me as well. Like I'm sure not everybody agrees with our opinions. Shockingly, as that maybe but uh but what I, what i do want to get across and i think i said this when we first brought him on is that what people don't know is that jim is an insider's insider like he's got more players in his dms than you or i do as far as like Absolutely. trades and free agent signings and what they're hearing and rumblings and what's going on with players and then he has the platform to be able to put that out and not get himself fired or in trouble so follow jim if you're not following jim already because you will get some jim some good 68. stuff there that he's not afraid to that he's not afraid to lob out yeah and i and i and just to kind of wrap things up i think that's the difference between being a guy like you, a guy like me, a guy like Teddy or whoever that is employed by the team, works for the league. We get intel and information about all sorts of stuff one way or the other that a lot of times we can't just put out there because we'll get in hot water for it. Where a, a person that's not affiliated, they're considered themselves like we're team employees not lacrosse insiders and 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 the only the only the only unfortunate thing is in this day and age is that the league is not really at a place where there's a ton of right gym like characters who are working for publications that aren't affiliated with the league like there's not there's not gonna be a sports talk radio station in toronto that goes off about does dan dawson have another year left and has like an inside that scoop about whether he's going to retire or not like we're just not there so that's why people like jim at this stage in the league are are very important absolutely and and you know as big as a, a fan that jim is he does he does do some uh some good work as far as inside information so um i hope we kind of explain that well and and it's unfortunate that you know like this kind of came up after jim had recorded because i'm sure he would have liked to have a, a proper goodbye and and farewell as well but he's still going to be around and, and who knows when when lacrosse fires back up maybe we bring jim back uh, a time or two for to share his uh, opinions and editorials with us because we enjoyed it and we can't thank jim enough uh, for the last few months doing that like it's not something he had to do or was getting paid to do he just did it and and we enjoyed it and i hope you guys did too and uh listen things evolve things change and that's what we're going to do here on last class so the format will be a little bit different moving forward and uh we appreciate jim and, and something else are we good we good all right man i think that is gonna do it for ep 122 of lax class we'll of course be back next tuesday every single tuesday right here in lacrosse flash podcast network for another episode of lax class can't wait for it uh appreciate you guys listening and that's gonna do it for brad Shellner. i've been jake elliott and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator be safe be healthy talk to you soon